And here we go. there what's up everybody it is the cbc wisdom hour number one zero two for july 7th 2020 i'm steve witchell in new orleans scott muni 102.7 <laughs> wnew scott muni wow that's a name i haven't heard in a long time yeah it's still right scott muni rides with tony tony b coming to you live from jersey what's happening is scott muni still on the radio it can't be. He's got to be dead. By I, don't, now. I, right? I don't think he's alive anymore. He had a long time ago. Yeah, because he was old like 30 years ago. Yeah, remember his voice? Scott Muni. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of Scott Muni as a DJ. Yeah, but, uh, but what, episode 102, 102.7 WNEW was the rock station to listen to. It was uh, back in the day. Is it still? I mean, because I don't listen to New York radio anymore. I, so. so, no. You don't listen to radio anymore up there? No, no. but it, out of 102.7 is not WNW Rock Station anymore. It's really? Like that. What is it? I don't know. That's a shame. Chunk's here. What's up, Chunk? Um, I, I want to investigate this now. What? So what do you have for... So you don't really listen to radio? No. Oh, okay. So you Typically not. WNW... So I'm driving in the car. I'm learning tunes, you know? So I have... You iPod playing. Here, one okay. WNE, it's still WNEW, 102.7 in New York. It's Hot Adult comp- Contemporary. There you go. Whatever the hell that is. That's crazy. Well, do you still have, uh, what is, all right, see, so you don't know, so let me I'll look this up. Because back when I lived up in the Northeast... The rock stations around there in North Jersey were were NEW. It was DHA, which DHA is still around. Yeah. 105.5. And <clears throat> I don't remember what 92.3 was when I left, but it used to be K-Rock. Yeah. But I, I don't then remember if they... Alt, then it was Alt 92. Um, and there's also... Uh, Q104.3. Q104, yeah. That was more like classic rock, right? Yes, yeah, still right. is. So in New York, 92.3 is an alternative station, whatever that means nowadays. Yeah. Um, it's all 92.3. It's WNYL. It used to be WXRK. WXRK, yes. K-Rock. That was a great station. Do you remember um, WAPP? No. It was it was like one of the first classic rock stations cuz classic rock format was a new thing in the early 80s. That wasn't a a format on radio cuz there was, you know, there was top 40 um there was album oriented rock, AOR, but there wasn't classic rock. And I, I remember them talking about that in the Eagles documentary how that was how they got a big resurgence on their their entire catalog and reached a whole new generation of fans because classic rock radio came out. But WAPP, it was 103.5 in New York, and I remember when that station came first debuted. And, cause oh, they, it was the Apple, right? The Apple, yeah. Yes, I remember it now, yep. Because they had a big advertising campaign about it, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I loved it. That was my favorite station for a while, and they played, they played like classic rock and some new stuff too, um, but it was all rock. It wasn't, you know, any like schlocky top like yeah now you got to get serious radio you know to get that type of type of genre uh selections you know yeah it's amazing how terrestrial radio still is in the game and and i guess it's because of people listening in their cars because yeah and it's free you know yeah that too that helps that it's free And, and and some people are still so used to it um but uh, yeah, and it, w- with satellite, because in my car I have XM, Sirius, Sirius XM, whatever. Um, and I also have, 
normal radio, and I also have a CD player, and I also have a, a hookup for my USB so I can plug in my phone or my iPad or, or iPod or whatever. Um, and I have Bluetooth, so you know, there's so many yeah, choices. Like, like I, and I think about this, I just Bluetooth up to YouTube and then audio speak you know, my request into the search mode, right. and you can find any song at any time. Any you know? song at any time, that's true. Like if you have um, Spotify or um, <clears throat> or I, like I have Amazon Music is what I use or iTunes or any of that, Amazon, you could just go find anything, any song ever recorded, basically. Yep. And it's funny, like when you're sitting, because I was at a party like a month ago and I was like briefly in charge of the music and I'm looking on my phone, I'm on Amazon, I'm like, trying to think of something to pick and I couldn't think of anything <laughs> out of all of the music that exists you know I'm just like uh 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 yeah what do I want to give I don't know <laughs> I, I just couldn't pick any so it's 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 interesting how you you uh you're you're more prone to make a choice when you have fewer choices to make you know yes unless you are very decisive and can be distinctive what you in the mood for listening at that moment, you know? Yeah, that's what it's good for if if you're like thinking like, oh man, I'd love to hear uh, a Kansas song, and you just go like, uh, yeah, there you go, you narrowed it down, and you can just find it. Um, but if you're just like, it kind of like sitting in front of the jukebox trying to pick songs like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> But will you tend to pick the ones that you want to listen to, or will you tend to pick the ones that you think that the people in the rest of the room will enjoy if as I, well? Yeah, if I'm doing playing DJ, it, whether it's like the jukebox or or like picking for my phone, I try to read the room and pick for the room always. Um, and generally, when I'm picking for the room, I'm also picking songs that I like. Um, but I like a lot of songs. I like a lot of different kinds of music. I love I love the ju being the jukebox picker. I love being at a bar with my friends playing pool, you know, doing shots, drinking beers, and, and there's a jukebox, and I get to pick the songs. That's one of my favorite things to do because I know my friends. I know what they're going to like, and I know what is going to maybe even surprise them that they're going to like. So I love being that. I used to want to be a DJ when I was Jukebox picker. Did I ever tell you that, all about my DJ aspirations? No. Do tell, Steve. Yeah, I, I probably told it before, but when I was a kid, um, you know, 10, 11 years old, I guess, probably around there, 12 maybe, um, I had a record player that was and a radio, a little uh, piece of junk radio, and a, um, I think I had like a clock radio. I think that was my only radio in my my bedroom, uh, and uh, and I had a tape recorder, which was just a tape recorder. No, nothing else with it. It was a Panasonic. It was red, and it took cassette tapes and could play them and um, record. Condenser mic, just talking to it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you didn't have to hook up any external mics or anything. It just had that that little condenser mic. And I used to buy forty fives all the time. I had LPs. I you know I had a bunch of. Back then, I actually didn't have a lot of LPs. It wasn't until a couple years later when I started getting into rock music that I, I started to have an LP collection. But I did have some LPs, but they were mostly like the Columbia House things that we got or, you know, stuff like that, or hand-me-downs from the cousin or, or, or my mom or something. Um, so I would go buy a 45, so that was my thing. And generally, I like, I listened to radio, so I listened to whatever, gosh trying to think before like app what was the station in, in i think i listened to am i think i listened to like 77 uh w wabc yeah uh-huh because that was before they were like talk radio they would play music and they would play the hits of the day so i you know i i, I was into popular music so whatever you know was popular and you know i didn't like every song but a lot of it i did so i would go because back then, if you wanted to hear a song, you had to sit there with the radio on and wait for it to come on. And sometimes you would wait for hours. 
like, oh, they're going to have to play. I mean, you could try to call in, but that was a that was a pointless, uh, fruitless task. You wouldn't get through. Just be busy signal or they wouldn't answer. Um, and it was also cost money. Second caller now. It also cost money back then. Like if you had to make a phone call, kids, back in the day, and it was out of your area code, you had to type in the area code of the place you were calling, and you would get charged for that, for the fact that you were calling outside of your area code. And it wasn't going on your parents' cell phone bill. No. It was going on the main phone bill of your house, whatever you had. And, uh, or and if you had a pay phone back in the day, please deposit $8.58 <laughs> for the first two minutes. And the longer you stayed on the phone, the, the more it cost. It was expensive. You know, it would quarters into it. Yeah. So if I would, would like call a radio station and sit there and wait for five minutes or ten minutes to, to talk to somebody and then the phone bill would come, my dad would see it. Uh oh, forget it, man. I was in trouble. What is this two one two number? Fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah. It would be like ridiculous amount of charges. And yeah, so I, I probably tried it a couple times, but my dad uh put the kibosh on that. Um but I, I would, uh, so I had the record player and I would buy 45s and that's how I'd listen to my music. And, and I, I really loved the idea of radio back then. Just I loved listening to it. I loved picturing the whole scene, although what I was picturing wasn't anything what it was like. Um, and my brother had a record player too. So I would do like once a week, I would borrow my brother's record player and I would do like a little radio show. I, first, I would type up a, uh, a top list, a, a, I guess probably the top 10 list, the top 10 songs of the week that I made up. I, ju- I just would make them up. And I would. my dad had a typewriter, and I would type it out, like, you know, what I l- had learned in school, how to f- create, like, lists and forms and properly do it. And uh, I would type out a top 10 list, and I would post it right on my wall there, right by the record players. And then I would do a little show. I would get a cassette tape, blank cassette tape, and put it in my Panasonic press record, and I'd do a DJ thing, and I'd call myself Steve the Craze Witch. Hot and Steve the Craze Witch, what's up here? It's the top 10 of uh, August 6th, 1981. Steve the Craze Witch? Steve the Craze Witch. <laughs> That's what I call myself. I wish I... like Steve DJ Shell, a.k.a. The Wizard. I wish I, I wasn't that creative. I, I wish I had saved some of those lists from then. I, I don't have any of them, but because <laughs> I, I I was just like, yeah, I was trying to go for the goofy radio guy, the DJ crazy nuts. <laughs> oh yeah, because um, that's what I knew. You know, that's what I knew. I, I wasn't listening to Scott Muni really yet on W anything. You know, I was listening to pop radio. You know, ninety four or. Uh, top 40s uh and they were always over the top oh yeah talking fast and then the higher voices and and uh just excited about everything everything's great crazy steve the craze witch (laughs) 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 so and i would do my and i would record them and then I guess I would listen back to them. I, I, don't, I don't even know. That's how I, like, I got used to my own voice being recorded when I was young because I did things like that. Or, like, we'd be sitting around with my family, sometimes my cousins, and we would we would just turn on a tape recorder and then listen back to it and be like, ah, that's your voice. <laughs> that's my voice. I can't believe I sound like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I got used to that early. And, and, and got, I guess... A foreshadowing of what would happen you know, 40 years later of doing a podcast, which is similar, although we're not playing music, and I'm not talking like that, and I'm not doing top lists or anything. But well, we do sometimes do stump the drummer lists or top, t- you know, top ten things that are you've seen happen on stage. Or we do. We got to do more of those. Those are fun. You know? do yeah, it. we got to get back into that. You know, we got to come up with some ideas. Anybody has ideas for that? You can uh, email us, Steve at Curbman Central. Or Steve, what is it? Steve at CarmanCentral.com. I guess is that where you email me. Or just my name, Steve Wichel at Gmail. If you can spell it, you can figure it out, then you can email me. 
with your ideas for our top list. I do. I love doing lists. I think lists are fun. Um, yeah, we've gotten tons of feedback on them whenever you would do post them, you know. Tell us your top, you know, most, uh, you know, how you hurt yourself at a gig, right? And some of the responses we got back were pretty incredible. That's true. People falling off stage, ripping pants, crashing their head on, on low-hanging, you know, appendages and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the injuries, right? Well. D- dangerous stuff, you know? Yeah. Injuries aren't always fun for me these days. Anyway. Yeah. Or like worst gig you've ever played ever in your life. Can you think of the worst the worst gig you ever played in your entire career? That's such what a great question. The worst gig ever that you That's played? That's such a great question. It's because worst has to be put into different kind of categories in my mind. Like why was it the worst? Because we didn't get paid a lot or because of the setting or because nobody was there or because because there's a lot of no, factors that come no, into no, the worst because listen i've played incredible gigs and the band sounded fantastic to, to two people and karen being one of them you know hmm. i can yeah. i can recall back in the early days i mean but, but had a great time you know that wasn't a bad you know horrible gig so I yeah back, like you know like a uh, gig you know See, that can't qualify as a worst gig because if you had, even if nobody showed up, blah, 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 but if you had a good time, then that can't qualify as a worst gig. Agreed. So, boy, because, I mean, my some of my early gigs were horrible, um, but I had a blast. So, yeah, I even have some of them on tape, video, videotape. When we say tape, kids, by the way, we used to have it to use analog. Uh, things right. to re- to record things now now like we still say like hey let you know, tape that show but there's no tape involved anymore it's it's record record, show. record, record that show record the show we got to start watching our language stop saying tape um, but what was the worst gig man God I mean I can remember one I, I played and you know this band I played with the elevators you played with them a couple times uh-huh. uh, in Jersey. I don't think we talk about the elevators all that much. That was a, it was like a blues rock band. So we did. They're still rocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, we a harmonica player and keyboards and uh, female vocal, and uh, we did sort of. I mean, it was kind of a blues band. It was all blues rock. It was some Zeppelin. It was some uh, like Creedence. Um, you know, a bunch of the female fronted songs. Uh, good stuff though. Good, cr- very, very good band. Very fun band, and uh, great players. But I play, <laughs> played a gig with them once. It was it was basically a liquor store. It was just it, with like a bar in the in the back. Like it was like it was in a strip mall in Jersey. The uh, Tom's River? No, it was in North Jersey. It was it was kind of like Bergen County or or uh, that general area. Maybe, maybe like Passaic County. Um, but it it was just a strip mall. It was it was a dead strip mall. Like it, like the anchor store was closed. You know everything else is kind of closed, and the it's a it, it's a bar, but the bar is in the back. So you go in the front door, and it's a liquor store. You know just like and, and it's like sort of a shotgun setup where you're just uh you know walking straight back, and on to your left and right are shelves on the wall of with liquor, and then you walk closer to the uh, to the register, and there's the refrigerators with the beer. You walk past the register in the back, and there's a bar, and it's a bar like your dad would go to after work, you know, where people are smoking, and there's a t- one TV, and there might be a shuffleboard thing in there, maybe a pool table, but small. Um, so we we played that with elevators. We played that, and we had to set up in the liquor store. So we're playing for the the bar. Can't really see us from the bar. And just, you know, no no dance floor, nowhere to stand to watch the band. It was a liquor store. There were, you know, there were things set up in the middle that we had to move in order to set up our gear. And I mean, I literally could have put my hand up to the left and grabbed a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels, you know, <laughs> just from where I was standing. Um so that was probably one of the worst, because I, 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 I don't really re- remember having fun there either. 
but I do remember vividly the the setup. So that ranks one one of them. I would have to think, man, really hard because I've I've forgotten so much stuff. I know, but then when if if you really dig deep, you could find something else, you know. Yeah, I tend to not focus on bad stuff for too long. No, but it's just fun to think back to like what you know what in your memory was the like worst gig because you say what's the craziest gig you ever played, you know, or what was the the most uh, like what was the worst load in you ever had for a gig. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. For, you know stuff like that. Like yeah. I remember doing private parties. And you roll up to the place and it'd be a nice, rich, you know, beautiful home and house. And you pull up and we go down this driveway and, you know, you don't want to be the first guy down because then the tent guy, the catering guy, this guy, you know, the, the you know, they all start piling in and you're boxed, you know, you're, you're, you can't get out. But you're always the first guy there, you know, cause you want to load in, right? Especially me. So I get there and it, the guy's like, okay, yeah, you guys are setting up down by the pool. And dude, I looked, the pool is like five tiers down from where we are. These like rocky stairs, you know, descending on these different levels till you get down to the pool area and then all the way around the pool and it's a big giant like patio. And I'm being like, oh, dude, you know, I did one trip down the first trip and I'm like, this is, I got to find a better way. So I looked on the other side and there was like a side lawn and a fence so I be- I pulled my car back up again, and then I loaded all my stuff up, like I put on the grass on the side of his house. Then I went and parked, and then I put it, threw it all over the fence, and then climbed over and then carried it down. Oh man, it was just easier, you know what I mean? It was a lot faster than trying to go, you know, the real heavy stuff. I had to go stairwise, but most of the stuff I was able to get over the fence. I'm thinking of load-ins now. Remember kites? Oh yeah, dude, with the elevator yeah. or the stairs. Yeah, kites was this uh, like ski resort area. Uh, hotel slash bar place. It was it was around. Yeah. Um, still around. It, it was around like a, a Vernon, right? Yeah, it's it's it, it's in uh, Mountain Creek now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was up North Jersey, and yeah, in order to to get to where we had to play, it was a bar slash restaurant area where we played, and it was a pretty nice area. You know, had a decent uh, uh, amount of stage room. And you're facing the bar, you're facing the room. There's this kind of dance floor area, um, but to get uh, get there, it was like the third floor, and you had to take like a freight elevator up. I think was a freight elevator or a regular elevator. I don't remember. Um, do you remember? Or the stairs too? What kites? Yeah, yeah. There were stairs, or the elevator. Was it a freight elevator or a, or a passenger elevator? No, it was a passenger elevator. So you were in there with people. Yeah, yeah, you that's know? always weird. Too. And the stairs, and it was yeah, three. It was three flights up. So sometimes it was just easier to take the stairs because if there was people waiting for the elevator, be like, ah, oh, forget this, you right, know. Right, right. It's so just funny when it up. when when you're playing a gig and you get on an elevator that's a passenger elevator and you're carrying gear and you're getting in with somebody else, they're always going to talk to you. Always go up. Oh, so you're in the band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what do you guys play? Uh, you know, popular rock songs. Oh, great. You guys do any uh, any David Bowie? Um, nah, no, not really. Not yeah. usually. Definitely. Oh, you should you should do some David Bowie. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll do some. This. Why is this elevator not moving? Um, yeah, man. <laughs> my 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 cousin's in the band. He he used to play in uh he used to play at the the uh, the, the the sock hops. <laughs> sock hops. Scavengers. Sock hops. Uh, you know, remember the sock hops where there was a band, and the girls would wear their uh, uh, their, their short skirts. We do that song, yeah. Sock. What you heard me? Yeah, yeah we do it. Hmm. Yeah, and see, my me and my brother are in town, and we're we're uh, we're gonna hook up with some ladies. All right, yeah, cool. You always get the, it's because normally if you get in an elevator, you don't talk to people and nobody talks to you. But if, you know, you're carrying a guitar, somebody's going to say something. Dude, Dude, my buddy would do that all the time in an elevator. Like, and guy would be like, hey, how's it going? Be like, be like, hey, what's going on? What's up, bro? How's it going, bro? Excuse me? You heard me. Uh, would sound like an alternate persona. 
I remember crazy guy. there was there was this one. I I, I always avoid the conversation to continue. <laughs> I I remember this this audition I went on, and I I this occurs to me every once in a while, which is weird because it's, I've I've gone on many auditions, and some you know I, I don't recall at all, but this one I do, and it was like Jersey City area where I had to go, and some anytime I went to an audition in the Jersey city area or places like that that were very sort of city, like urban. Um, you know, it's always like, it seems it's like this abandoned building, you know, there's nobody else around and you have to take a freight elevator up and, and like, like half the time I wouldn't even know how to use it. Like which button do I press? Like what, how, why isn't this door closing? You know, that kind of thing. And I, I went on this audition. It was a female singer and, I I always for auditions I would always try to find out what I needed to know and I would always learn the songs and I would over prepare I was an over preparer you know I w- I would learn songs as if I was going to play a gig uh, which served me well yeah you know sure at, for as my years have gone on <laughs> what other way is there to learn songs Steve right but this um, this particular particular audition it was this female singer and she was, she was a little wacky. And she was a huge fan of Soraya, which is uh, wasn't a very popular band. I mean, they, they had many success, more so in that area of the Northeast. Um, they did have a video, "Love Has Taken Its Soul," on, on uh, MTV, uh, but it didn't get a lot of airplay. But th- they were a great band. They were one of my favorite bands of that day, and and still, I still love those two records, um, which is all they did. But she, this this girl, was a big fan of Sandy Soraya, and uh, her brother was the drummer. Don't remember his name, but I, I can picture him kind of. And he was kind of like a simple guy. You know, the, the girl was trying to be all sexy. Her hair kind of, her bangs kind of covered her eyes a little bit, kind of like uh, that girl from the Divinals. Um, uh, I don't know her name. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and But it was more, it was dark. It was dark hair and kind of fluffed out. And she was a big Saray fan. And we did... One Soraya song we did, Love Has Taken Its Toll. Um, and it went well. And, you know, auditions seemed to go well, but it, they didn't seem to really have a clue what they were doing. Um, she was just like, I, you know, I want to play Soraya. Like, and at that time, there weren't really tri- tribute bands much. And if there were, they were of the popular bands, not, you know, you yeah, know, right. Soraya tribute band. Uh, but I remember we, we had to... We had to go down for something. It wasn't when we were leaving. It might have been when we were leaving. But I went down with one guy and the drummer, too. And the drummer's talking about, like, um, you know, how he's he's been single for a long time. And he just, he didn't, he seemed like kind of a, like an Eeyore guy. You know, like, oh, life is this, and, you know, I've been single, and, like. And then he then he's talking about that he met this girl online, and and she's from. Let's say Romania, for because I don't really remember, and he's okay. like, okay. and he's and we're going you know go into we're waiting for the freight elevator and he's telling the story and we're getting in the freight elevator, and, you know it's it's we have to close it and it's it's slow it takes a while so we're in there for a bit but, he's telling more of that story and he's like. This might he's talking about their their correspondence online, and to me I, I we didn't know the term catfish at this point, but I knew that that's what this was just from what he was describing, and he right. just goes, "Maybe this is the girl I'm gonna marry and then oh. there was just like this weird, awkward silence in the in the elevator, and <laughs> inside I was laughing, and outside I was. The silence was deafening after he said that because he's just staring into space. Maybe this is the girl I'm going to marry. And he was serious. I mean, he was like, so I always remember that moment. That poor guy. I maybe I remember being in an elevator and coming down from upper floor and there being a loud, boisterous guy, you know, on the elevator talking, you know, loudly to everybody, you know, like general thing, you know, talking this and that and about this. And then the door would open to the next floor, and he would say, he would be at the right at the door, you know, and he'd be like, uh, 
the greeter there, and he was saying as he would come in, "Come on in, the water's fine." <laughs> and then people would get in and be like, "Okay, you know, hey, great, you know, what floor are you going to? Okay, and press the button, then start talking again." And I remember we get to some floor, and he's like, "Come on in, the water's fine." And he's like, "No thanks, you seem a little too crazy for me." <laughs> and just walked away from the elevator. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, got a dope. Yeah, but hey, that's entertaining. Having yeah, entertaining, having fun. Yeah, but after like four or five stops, and when you're in the car, it's a, it's you've had enough of that, you know. Like, buddy, we don't want to hear about the water's fine anymore. <laughs> just go down. Right. It, just get a couple new ones and mix them in, you know. Cause yeah, something, you know. Then water's fine every once in a while wouldn't be so bad. You gotta you gotta mix it up. Get some new ideas, some fresh ideas, even if they're cliche. Borrow. Let's go shape up. Yeah, I would say uh, somebody was telling me this story um, recently. I want to say recently, but within the last six months, when I was still playing in bars, and I was having this discussion. Uh, I was with my drummer because they had the um, the bathroom attendants there at Crazy Corner where we play, and they're usually guys that don't really speak much English uh, at all. Um, and they have their spread of cologne and and uh, uh, gum, mints, condoms, you know, stuff like that that you can use. And not a very broad selection, but and they have their paper towel and and their little squirt bottle with the soap. And generally, and and they expect a tip if if you're gonna do that now first of all i don't need help going to the bathroom or doing any of those things if you want to have a little store that's one thing but if you're going to force me to take soap and paper towel from you and have to pay you for that then that i feel a little weird about that i feel like yeah you know i could do that myself i don't need you for that but uh my drummer was telling me a story of, of this guy in california this bathroom attendant and he he would have like a whole spread of everything that you could think of and he would have like a little little signs and he would do like dances and he would sing and he'd be like all enthusiastic with people and smiles and like and just like entertaining basically doing the same job so it's really up to the person what you make of it too because that like that guy i would tip him you know okay he's giving me a little squirt of soap and he's giving me a song so yeah i'll tip you <laughs> He's trying, yeah, he's putting some effort in. And like the reason this conversation started, because I said to him, like, like that guy would make more money if he would just smile, you know, because they look miserable. Obviously, you know, you're working all night in a bathroom. That kind of stinks, literally. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, you put a little effort in, you get more back, is my point. No insane. Well, like anything, you know, you make it, it, the day is what you make of it, right? So that got you know, you could sit there and read the paper, and like you said, people just walk in and out, in and out, and you get nothing. Or if you want to get paid for your time and you got to work for it, then like you said, sing a little song, do a little dance, whatever you got to do, you know. Make a little love, get down tonight. I remember going to the city, and the guy, you know, they used to pull up to the when you get to the intersections, right, the guys would come up and, and clean your windshield, you know, looking for money. Yeah. And the guy would come up and, and I'd say, you know, you clean the windshield, but, you know, what else, though? Like, what are you going to do if if you clean my windshield and good, do a good job? You know, you get paid for that, but then what else? It was extra. And this guy's like, man, I'm the magic man. And he did this little dance. And they did the clean the windshield, they did another little dance. So we tipped him. There you go. That's all you need yeah. to do. Right, he's the magic man. Magic. But he had personality, you know what I mean? He, he was selling it. He wasn't just coming up and being, like you said, like just like expected, you know? I love the guys that would come up and, and they'd have just like a paper towel, a cheap paper towel in their hand, <laughs> and just start wiping your windshield and like, just smearing dirt on it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Get away. That used to be a thing. Like I used to hate driving into Manhattan for that reason alone because like, as soon as you got out of the Lincoln Tunnel, you got the people coming up with the, trying to clean your windshield. And yeah. the way to deter them, what I learned, was turn on your windshield wipers. Right, correct. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. They're not I, so prevalent anymore. Yeah, I would think not after uh, 
the city got cleaned up. As they up. used to be, you know? Right. Yeah, New York, Manhattan used to be a different place, for sure. For sure. I haven't been there in a while, obviously, but, but I have been there since it was cleaned up. And uh, it used to, my Manhattan used to scare me, man. When I was a kid, I would just be afraid of the city. It took me a while to get used to it. I forced myself to get used to it by going to concerts. In, and basically, when I was still a kid, you know, 17, 16, 17 years old, I would take the bus to Port Authority from, from like, Route 46. I would pick up the bus. And sometimes by myself. Right. And I take the bus into like the garden. Well, take the bus into Port Authority and then walk to the garden because it's, you know, right. it's Midtown. Um, and But the, the scariest part of it was taking the bus back from, you know, going into Port Authority, which is huge, and trying to find, trying to navigate. Because, you know, nowadays there's more signs, there's more information available to get where you have cell phones which have maps on them we don't have any of those things None you're of those walking things. around like i'm walking around as a kid in manhattan by myself with you know and, and trying to figure out okay how do i get how do i get to port authority once i'm at port authority where do i go and then which bus do i take you know <laughs> you have to look at the the board right. which is how late is it and did the last one run already yeah um yeah so that was always creepy to me I, I mean, a creepy, cool, because uh, now in retrospect, it was like there was nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to be afraid of, but it was. It, it was daunting. Yeah. When you're in that moment, you're a kid and the city is just ginormous to you um, and you go in there and, and you're you don't really know your your bearings. And there's lots of people walking around that are just like, <sighs> like everybody else knows what they're doing except for me. Uh, but a little never, man in a big world, Steve. I never had any major uh, major problems with it. So I, I've I've probably missed my bus before. I I know I have. Like I missed the bus. Like, and they only ran so late from Port Authority. It was like you had if you missed the last bus, then that's it. You're done. Yeah, you were in trouble. Yeah, you're taking a, you're taking a cab back and paying right. two hundred dollars. Good right. times, man. Good times. I remember going to the city in high school, like sophomore year. You know, we took a bus in. My buddy was like, I'm going to buy Switchblade, man. We're going to go by 42nd Street. And we go in and, you know, going to get fake IDs at Playland. And we go and we get our fake IDs. And then we're coming back. And he's this guy. And he's like, yeah, man, I get you Switchblade. He's like, all right, cool. He's like, give me 50 bucks. Give me 50 bucks. Guy's like, I'll be right back. No, <laughs> guy, no. get it. Guy takes off. Comes back. Oh. Okay. With this brown paper bag with, you know, inside. He's like, you know, take it, man. A lot, you know, a lot of cops around. You got to put it in your jacket. Look at it later, man. Like, get out of here. We got to go. We got to go. So he splits, you know, and we part ways with the guy. But he's over with like a bunch of guys, you know, over by this corner there, you know. And then my buddy opens it up and it, it's, it's packaged and he unwrapped the package and it was a Clark candy bar, like a Butterfinger, <laughs> you know, wrapped in like duct tape. Oh, Man. So he goes back over to the guy and he's like, You just ripped me off, man. I want my fucking money back. You know? And the guy's like, Get out of here, man. He's like, Before I beat you up. Like, he's like, Beat it, you know? Like, you got taken. So this other guy's like, Hey, man. He's like, If you pay me 20 bucks, I'll beat him up for you. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, Don't do it, man. Forget it. Move on. We're done. So we move on. So we go and he's asking, it's a cop, right? So my buddy goes up to the cop and he's like, hey, do you know where this such and such place is? Because we're going to get fake ideas. He's like, you know where Playland is? And the cop's like, have you been mugged yet tonight? <laughs> he's like, no. He's like, right, just wait. You will be. Just, have a good one. Great. Protect and serve. <laughs> Thanks, man. Just like that, though. Like, like we were, were so out of place. You know what I'm saying? Well, we got like 14 years old. We're on 42nd street when it was bad. You know, it was seedy. It was like not the place to be, you know, at all. Right. You know, and then go, walking into Washington square park, like, you know, a bunch of dopes. I loved Washington square park. Yeah. But then we got home, you know, but, but late too. like, we're in Washington square park. It's dark out, you know, like this is after dinner. Like let's go to the city. Yeah. Like, not a good idea. No, no, definitely not back then. Maybe even now. 
I don't know about now. I don't know what it's like. No. I don't know. It was a bad idea back then, but you're young and you don't think about it. And again, like you're just going in like, hey, man, we're going, you know? Yeah. Not thinking about anything bad happening. Yeah, I did a lot of stupid things like that, man. Associated with New York. Even as an adult, I was in my 20s once and I wanted to buy weed. And for some reason, somebody had told me, yeah, I got it on the corner of whatever it was. It was like. It was kind of midtown, downtown area, so like twenty third or something like, and 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 he was like, yeah, just go find you know, just go find somebody that they're all over the place, and I I drew like that was the biggest dumb thing <laughs> I did ever to try to get weed, <laughs> like because generally if you wanted to get weed, you know somebody, you know somebody's friend has is a dealer or whatever and i just didn't at the time and i was like and i just wanted like a little bit like a dime bag just to have for my head whatever and so i drove into friggin manhattan and went to that area and just kind of stood outside and talked to (laughs) one guy and he's like and he seemed like a little skeptical and then he walked away he said yeah i'll be right back and then some other guy came up to me and i asked the same thing and then he walked away and then i hear one of the other guys like in the distance like that guy's a narc, man. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a narc. I'm just, and I'm like, <sighs> I just defeated. Just got back into my car and came home. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Unsuccessful. <laughs> I could have really gotten, really gotten hurt or something, arrested. Yeah, for sure. And th- yeah, there's other dumb city things that I'm not even going to talk about here. That are, that are oh, different world. NC-17 stuff. Can't even get there. I used to, you know, um, I never talked about it. I wouldn't call it one of the worst gigs I've ever played, but one of the weirdest places. I don't know if I've ever told you about this place, but it was called Zone DK, and it was in Manhattan. Couldn't tell you exactly where in Manhattan, but kind of downtown-ish, probably. Village area, probably. But it wasn't on like Bleecker Street or anything. Um, and it was the most bizarre place I've ever... It was like a haunted house. It was like an S&M haunted house, this place. It had like a stage, you know, like a normal stage, elevated. Um, but like it had TVs all over the place that were playing just like S&M porn. Like hardcore at the, for the time. There, there was no internet back then. It was just, you know, videotapes. And like all over the place, all over the the, the the whole club had these TVs they were playing it and it was like they had the like you remember walking in the like haunted houses when you were a kid, the um and they had like the rubber uh kind of like rubber snakes or something on the floor, so you're walking and your foot hits it and it bounce you know yeah. you know. They had those when you were walking in, stuff like that. It was just really creepy. Um one of the weirdest places and we we never that was with little sister i played there and we never had people come to see us really maybe maybe our hardcore fans did and whoever was in the room and we played there a bunch of times and i don't even know why it was it was a weird weird place um but vivid i wish i had pictures of that place and i do not Dude, I remember, I remember playing a place called the Black Thorn in Mount Vernon, New York, the Bronx, actually, right on the outskirts. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, 9 o'clock, band start, you know. You guys got all this big gear and everything. I want you here to go on first, get set up. You know, you're going to open up. Get there, dude. All fans are there. You know, people made the journey. We get there. The guy said, the place is dead. We bring like 20 people, you know what I mean? So there's not as people there. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's a little slow tonight, so uh, come back at, like, midnight, all right? We're pushing all the bands back. we got a later crowd coming in. Oh, boy. Dude, it's, like, 8.30. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, come back. I was like, yeah, I have to come back, you know? But I'm like, we got pe- plenty of people here. So the guy's like, yeah, no, you got to wait. Till- so <laughs> you got to wait till later. So we all, le- everybody leaves. Old people like f you, you're yeah f this guy, 
So we're like, all right, we'll, we'll be back. So we drive back across the river, back to home, hang out. We went someplace else for a little while, chilled out, and then we drove back there. We get back there at, like, you know, midnight, and he's like, yeah, you know, uh, there's a couple other bands going to go on before you. You're headlining tonight, so you're going to sit around. You know, you're going to go on a little while. Headlining, yeah, okay. Do, do, do we get, do we hit the stage at like 3 a.m. to like 10 people? That's awesome. Yeah, it was classic, dude. Classic. I, I did a cover band. I I remember a, uh, the guy's name. I can't remember the guy's name. I did, it was a fill-in sub gig in Manhattan that started at like 11 o'clock, 11 p.m., and we had to play, like, three full sets. So that was, like... and and But it was interesting because it was, like, a weekday, and there were still people out. There were people in the room for the whole show. And we ended, like, 3 o'clock. Like... <laughs> 3 a.m. on, like, a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it was really... It was literally just a weekday and a, a sub-gig for me, and... and remember it went well it was i remember it was fun i used to do a lot of those kind of one-off sub gigs i wish i remember the name of the band or the name of the guy is marcus marcus i think marcus marcus bennett that was his name because i'm still friends with him on facebook i think he still plays too it was the band was like marcus bennett and the the ring tossers or whatever it was <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the name of the band was <laughs> Marcus Bennett, <laughs> Bennett Markers. Uh, I remember we did. Uh, there was one song that that sticks out. It was uh, "Creep" by Radiohead, and that was the first time I'd ever played it. And I remember doing the harmony in the verse. There's the harmony on the one line, and I remember him looking over at me, like giving me a thumbs up on doing that harmony because nobody else had did it. Like, all right, kid, good job. Yeah. Job, you Good job, kid. Do I remember playing with a, like a twenty-piece big band at an retirement old-age home in this giant atrium to like forty people, and it was in this big open stone atrium foyer, you know, and the drums were like, you know, booming loud, like awesome. But the, the band leader right away was like, "Oh yeah, you have to play like." You know, one tenth of that volume. That's much quieter. It's a sub gig <laughs> for for my father's guy, right? These guys were all like in their fifties, sixties. I'm like twenty. Charts, you know, reading it down, playing it, and go through all the songs. And I take a break. All right, we get two more sets, guys. Two more sets. Yeah, you know, so it's like forty, like forty minutes on, dude. Then like twenty minute break, then like forty minutes on again, because they're rotating the people, right? You know what I mean? So it's the same. Sure. sure. Like it's it's not the same songs. You're ending with the same song, you know. Uh, like when the Saints come marching in and all these other songs, you know, and nonetheless, dude, the gig's over. The guy's like, oh, yeah, man, like, you're killer, man, great job. Like, you know, you got chops, kid. Like, really appreciate you coming down. Let me take care of you. So I'm like, okay, dude, the guy gives me a check for $17. <laughs> what? Give me a check for $17. That was your pay for the night? That was my pay, dude. That was the pay for the gig. Get out of town. Seventeen dollars. I swear to I swear to you, I kid you not. I'm like, uh yeah, thanks, great, you know. So I get home, my father's like, Yeah, <laughs> you know, Larry Larry pay you? I'm like, yeah, he gave me a check for seventeen dollars. <laughs> Started laughing. And he's like, just he's like, Don't cash that check. He's like, just keep it. Like as for like as a memory, you know. I'm like, after that though, I need the I need the money. <laughs> cash it up, seventeen bucks. Did you really? Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. I was twenty years old, man. I was like living at home, like you know, gigging full time, like seventeen bucks. I made seventeen bucks last night. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, people complain about a hundred dollars. Yeah, and I can remember like having friends with the PA and another friend with the light show, and my but one buddy having a party and us assembling like. You know, we brought the band, brought the mega kit, we built a stage, we set the entire, like, you know, 20,000 watt PA up in his backyard, had a light show, lasers, and everything for a party. Not, not not getting paid, you know what I mean? Nothing. Sure, yeah. Just, like, backyard party, like, oh, dude, your band play? We're like, yeah, cool. Uh, but, like, full, like group effort, you know, but full-blown, like, killer. 
a concert in someone's backyard. Then the cops would come and be like, that's it, it's over. Right, yeah. I've had a couple Shut of those. Shut it down. Had a couple of those. I had a, I had a, a backyard. I don't know why that just occurred to me, but I had a, a backyard party that I played, and I had a solid state amp. So it was it was just the one uh, uh, combo amp, right? Um, and I wanted to have another speaker or something, and I I plugged in a cable and and then plugged in the other. I think I plugged it in the other speaker, but I plugged in the key, the wrong into the wrong input into the amp. And like two songs in, you guys smell something burning? And oh I yeah, just completely fried my amp. It, like a couple songs in at this this party, which which we got paid for. Um, I don't remember what it. I must have just plugged direct into the PA for the rest of the show. That's probably what I did. I remember playing a gig, too, and the guitar player had the Eddie Van Halen 5150 amp with all the built-in effects, and, like, he, didn't, he got rid of its pedal board, and it was, like, all controlled and thing, and it was good, and all the sounds in it were sound checking, and he's like, da-da-da-da-da-da, and all of a sudden, like, smoke comes out the back, you know, and that's it, dead, no no sound coming out. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, dude, like, smoke came out the back of your amp. I'm like, it blew, something blew up. He looks in there, he's like, oh, the fuse is blown, man. It's like, oh, there's a spare fuse in here, though. Let me put the spare fuse in. Put the spare fuse in, do the thing in there. Turns it back on. Ah, it's back on again. Excellent. Diddling, ding. Sounds good. <laughs> Smoke comes out again. Blow up. Fused again second time. <laughs> so the guy's like, dude, you can use my amp. Like, I got this combo amp, like Fender <laughs> tube amp. Like, no effects, no nothing. And we're doing playing, like, me- progressive metal. Yes, Genesis Rush with all these big Pink Floyd airy guitars, you know, and he's got, like, this, like, Leonard Skinner guitar sound, you know, it's not working. Mm-hmm. But we struggled through the gig. We got it. It was for the Wingmen Motorcycle Club. I used to love the motorcycle parties. I oh, played, we played a I, bunch I, of those, I, man. I, I, wa- played a, I played a bunch of those too. They're always fun, man, because they, they they know how to drink and they they love you know just the classic rock stuff and. Oh yeah. And if the, the band's good, they love the band. Oh know? yeah, Don't... You guys are right, man. Yeah. Yeah, and th- those are people you want on your side, <laughs> the bikers, for sure. Oh, yeah. You definitely don't want them uh, against you because they, 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 uh, they team together, and they, they do stuff. They're not afraid. I've seen that happen no, a couple times. Um, yeah, I miss those, man. I miss th- those kind of things. I hope they come back. I think that's what that what seems to be coming back as far as – people playing gigs like chunk was telling me he's playing a a gig where it's uh uh it's on a a, a pier or a deck or, or something like that on the water and then there's people on the boat and um and uh that's what i've seen so far with people getting back to to play in everything is you know we're fortunate that we're in summer now so people can play outdoor gigs and socially distance and everything and uh it's it's kind of encouraging to see people doing it. I, I I don't see that. Yeah, Chong said it's on a dock by a lake. Yeah, which which is yeah a beautiful kind of setting to play a gig. But um, at least now bands can do that right now because it's they can do outside and if they're properly social distancing. But it's just it doesn't really seem like people are getting crowds to shows yet. Well, I, I have a gig in August with the with Jimmy's band, and uh, it's at a country club. And he said they set the band up outside on the big deck, you know, and then they have a wall seating out in the grass. Right. No right. dance floor, you know. Right. Yeah, but, that's a shame, though, man. Like, why? You know, and he played a bar gig uh, two weeks ago. Same thing. They had an outside deck. They set the the band up elevated, and then they had a lower patio with tables, you know, so, sp- spread apart. And uh, servers, you know, with masks on. And they they played the gig outside. Yeah. And that's going to work now, but it's not going to work in November and December. and January, Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Exactly. Um, or even maybe October. Um, here, maybe, but not up there. Yeah, Chunk said his, his thing is the audiences either swim up or mostly in boats or pontoons, uh, which is cool. You know, that that's kind of a... That's that's a good gig. That's a gig I would play now. It, once my arm is better. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Um, speaking of, I, I have to go tomorrow to find out if I need surgery on this. Um, and, but it's improved considerably. Like the swelling is gone. Right. And, and it was very swollen. My hand, my arm was very swollen. It was all bruised up. The bruising is gone. The swelling is gone. And I have much more range of motion now than I've had. I can, for the first time today, I was able to lift my arm over my head without helping it with my left hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, and yeah, I mean, that might seem like a oh, big deal, but. Oh, no, I know. It's a big deal with, with my shoulder. Yeah. It was, I, because I take it out of the sling every day a couple times and, and let it just hang and try to stretch these, these muscles out because, so they don't, because they're very tight, which is what the doctor told me to do. And, and then, and I usually try to lift it up and see how far I can get. And usually I can only get to like, like halfway. Um, and then th there's that halfway point I got to, and then I was able to, to, to give it a little push and I got all the way up. So, so I'm encouraged by that, that, uh, this is healing. It's amazing. You know, it's incredible what the human body does. Like it, it heals itself. I'm basically doing nothing to, to get it to heal other than resting a lot and, keeping it immobilized or, or just not making yeah. it worse and all your internal processes are taken over and like you said hard at work you know it's cool yeah. it's it's incredible you know it's 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 really a miracle that the body is able to just figure it out like all right let's get you know as soon as the injury occurs the body gets to work all right this is what we got to do we got to protect yeah. this area we got to tighten up these muscles we got to you know like we got to start fixing. So I'm curious to see what the the CAT scan revealed, um, and uh, and what the prognosis is. I, I I don't anticipate that I'm going to need surgery on this. I I don't. I, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, I I think the reason I would have needed surgery is for, for any sort of chipped bones that are in there, um, or or ligament damage. And and uh, I'm not feeling. I would think if there was some chipped bones in there, I would feel it. You know, but I don't, and I still feel like my elbow. I can feel my elbow like normal. So right. it's, it just needs to to reconnect with that other bone, <laughs> the way it's <laughs> supposed to be. I guess. I mean, so yeah, I'll know more after tomorrow about what uh, what the deal is. But I'm I'm really excited to get back to playing, just playing bass, even even if not with a band, just playing bass. I haven't been able to play my bass for 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 a while now yeah and uh and i miss it it's sitting here at a st on a stand looking right at me taunting me mocking me uh -huh. it's like ah oh, steve it's like and i think about like how wish much wish you could play me but you can't yeah. <laughs> i was thinking about god how much i've played over the last 10 years you know, just an incredible amount of gigs, uh, you know, over a thousand gigs in the last ten years, and well over, I guess. And um, and now for the last three, four months, I haven't played at all. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 it's it's crazy, wacky times we're we're living in, man. But uh, this too shall pass. It will. For sure. You know, it's just like you said, the time is going to take and people got to do the right thing. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the whole deal. Um, Yeah, and everybody thinks they have the answers and nobody has the answers really. And, and uh, who the hell knows? We're just uh, taking it day by day. Trying to keep a positive attitude, I am. I'm not watching the news a lot. Especially now with with a, a you know broken arm, I'm trying to keep my spirits up, so I'm doing things that make me feel good. And watching the news is not one of them. I check in on it, see what's going on. That's it. I don't need to sit there with the news on all day. It is not helpful. No, it's too much. Yes, it's all about music, and we're working on the website, CoverBandCentral.com. Very, very soon, within the next two weeks, we're going to have this live for everybody uh, where we're uh, turning it into a social network for musicians. And it's going to it's the only social network for musicians on the Internet. There is not one yes. other one. So uh, we're going to be 
sort of the pioneers with this and uh it's uh, i can't wait i'm so excited about it so if you're not a part of carbancentral.com go there now and join up and you will be in the door as soon as we flip it over but there's stuff there now to look at too uh plenty of content plenty of articles and uh all sorts of other fun stuff and you can sign up for a profile for you your band or both i recommend both if you have a band so do that now and and uh you're gonna see we're changing everything changing the game for Ben Central. we'll see you next week It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.